0: Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. If you are joining us online this morning, I just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you can be faithful in joining us and participating in worship wherever you are. And so I want to say welcome to you who are joined online. And for those of you who are here in person, I want to say good morning and welcome. I am am looking forward to being here. Uh, And you picked a great, great Sunday to join us. Not... Not because I'm preaching or uh, that incredible choir number, although oh, that, was, that was awesome. You picked a great Sunday because you saw it. We're talking about butter. <laughs> and who doesn't want to talk about that good, artery-clogging butter? I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. No, we're wrapping up a series today. Uh, we call it Home Cooking, and we've been in it for the last five weeks as we talk about families and relationships, more than just even families, but how do we interact with one another? We talked about some of the things in life that we expect. And we talked about things in life that we don't expect and we don't plan for. And how do we navigate all of that together? And as we're getting ready to wrap up this series, as I was thinking about this morning, the one thing that came to mind is I realized that there is this universal truth for all of us, so if, if you're a Christian and you're in this room, this, this truth is, is true for you. And if you're not a Christian, if you don't call yourself a, a religious person and you're here in, in the building or you're watching online, this is true for you as well. And that's this, that at some point in our lives, we realize that things that we thought were normal, things that we thought were just the way it was, because that's what your family does. As you begin to see other families, as you get close uh, with other families, Maybe you go over to a friend's houses, or maybe you have a significant other and you get to know their family. Some of the things that you thought were the right way or the normal way to do it, you realize there are other ways to do things. Sometimes you even realize things that you've never thought twice about that your family does is kind of weird. Uh, how many of you, don't have to raise your hand if it's a, if it's a point of contention, but how many of your families at some point or another have had a conversation, we'll call it a conversation, not an argument, because it's nice and early, but how many of you have had a conversation with someone in your family about the proper way to load the dishwasher? (laughs) Right? Because you think that the way that you grew up doing it is the right way. I remember early on in our marriage, I was loading the dishwasher and Lauren walked in and she was very sweet about it, but she said, huh, I I didn't know you were a bowls on the top shelf kind of guy. And I thought, this seems like a test. And I'll tell you what, I'm not a bulls-on-top guy anymore. (laughs) But we realize that there are different ways that we can do things. And sometimes our families are just a little bit unique and weird. I asked Lauren this week, and uh, after we're done here this morning, if you're feeling really confident in some of your relationships, you can ask someone, a friend or a spouse, this question. But I asked her this week, Hey, when you got to know my family, was there anything that we did that you thought was kind of weird? She pulled out her list real quick, and no... Thankfully, she didn't think of anything that quickly. It took her a couple days. And so I feel like we're doing pretty good. My family's somewhat normal. But one of the things that we came across is that we had this Christmas tradition in my family, where every Christmas morning, the first thing we would do when we would wake up, my siblings and I would run downstairs, and before we'd get into the stockings, before we'd see what Santa brought, before we'd open presents from one another, we would scour the tree looking for an ornament of a pickle. We had a, a green pickle ornament that, that my mom would hide on the tree somewhere, and it was a contest to see who could find it first. And the first kid to find the pickle, it's Christmas morning, so you win a prize. And of course, on Christmas, it's a jar of pickles. I mean, what else would it be? And the pickles started off pretty big, and then as we got older, it got smaller and smaller, and I think the final pickle is about that big. And it, it's hard to find. Sometimes we still do it. And sometimes it takes us up to 10 minutes to find that pickle hidden somewhere in the tree. And I always just assumed that's what families do on Christmas morning. And Lauren said, no, that was kind of bizarre. I don't really associate looking for pickles on the tree with Christmas morning. She, she's, she's come around. I don't know that we're going to do it with our family, but Lauren's participated and she's even won that pickle prize some Christmases. But we recognize that there are things about our families that are unique and weird and I think the thing that we're talking about today, you heard it in the video, the Holy Spirit. I think it's okay for us to recognize that this is a unique thing. That it doesn't always make sense. Even for those of us who are Christians, maybe who grew up in the church, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. I don't know that we always have a great grasp on what we mean when we talk about it or, or what the Holy Spirit, we talk about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, what we don't even know sometimes really what that means and again if you're if you're not a christian if you're not a religious person you're sitting here today you're watching online this might be one of those things where you're like man that 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 is just like the weirdest thing you talk about god who is one and yet three and and part of that is the spirit and you you so there's this holy spirit and and what does it do i mean it it intercedes and it it leads you and it comforts like what is going on there and yet, on this Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to talk about more about Pentecost in just a moment but on this Pentecost Sunday, we set time aside to celebrate this Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think it's OK to acknowledge it's, it's a little bit It's a little bit unique. What is the Holy Spirit? What do we mean when we talk about God's Holy Spirit? What is that Pentecost? What are we celebrating on that Pentecost day, and, and maybe for us today? What do we have to learn? from what took place on that first Pentecost. And that's what I want to think about today. We're going to spend some time in, in the passage that you heard read in different languages. It's a familiar passage for those of us who grew up in church. When you think of Pentecost, if you grew up in Sunday school and you colored the sheets that had you know, people with little like, fires above their head, this is what you think of. This is where our minds go when we think of Pentecost. It's in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is written by Luke who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And really, it's kind of a, a, a two-part letter. Luke is like 1A, and Acts is, is 1B. They go together, and where Luke leaves off is where the book of Acts picks up. And so we're going to start reading today in Acts, chapter 2. The, the, the first chapter of here, Jesus is actually still with the disciples, and before it, Jesus ascends into heaven, taken up into heaven, he gives the disciples some instructions and his followers some instructions. And then we flip the page into chapter 2. And right away we start off. When the day of Pentecost came. Acts 2, verse 1. Now, now when we read this right here, when the day of Pentecost came. Like I said, when we think of Pentecost, this is usually where our minds go if, if we grew up in church. But Pentecost was actually a festival or a feast that was celebrated. There were three festivals where where folks who were Jewish would travel back to Jerusalem to celebrate these three specific festivals. And Pentecost, which is also known as Feast of the Weeks, is one of those three festivals. And so people had come back to Jerusalem. That's really important for later on in the story. And so when we read this, when the day of Pentecost came, when that feast came, They were all together, they being the disciples and followers of Jesus, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, if you grew up in church, this is, this is familiar to us. This is what we think when we think of Pentecost. But I, I think there's some, something peculiar about this, this Sunday, this celebration that we have. Today is, is Pentecost, right? And really, Pentecost is one of the three biggest celebrations, uh, holidays in the life of the church. It's, it's Christmas and Easter and Pentecost, and somewhere along the way, Pentecost kind of got the short end of the stick. It's not celebrated or remembered in the same ways. I doubt many of you are like checking your watch because you're like, well, my, my Pentecost ham is in the oven and we got to get home because we're having that Pentecost party. Your kids probably don't wake up and they're excited to see what kind of Pente- Pentecost presents or what's in their Pentecost basket. And yet as Christians, we recognize that this is, this is just as important for us in the life of the church and to us as Christians as Christmas and Easter, Pentecost is right there. And we decorate the, the sanctuary. There's red uh, and red candles. There's red on the cross, red lights. I'm wearing my red shirt. You saw the choir and orchestra are all decked out in their red, the color of Pentecost because we recognize that this is a big, big moment. But what I think is kind of odd about it, when you think of, of Christmas, we think of that moment where Jesus is born, right? That's what we think of on Christmas. That moment that what's happening there is Jesus is born. Easter, what's happening in that moment? Jesus Conquers death is resurrected from the grave. And so it would lead me to think, okay, Pentecost must be that moment that the Holy Spirit first comes onto the scene. That must be what we're celebrating. It it, it tracks, right? Christmas, Jesus is born. Easter, Jesus is risen. So Pentecost must be when the Holy Spirit comes. But that's not that's not true. In fact, if you want to see how far back the Holy Spirit goes, you have to go back to the very first page of the Bible. Genesis 1.1 1, 1 reads this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And here it is, listen. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the very beginning, when there was chaos and darkness and there is nothingness, in the middle of that, God's Spirit hovered. Now, when we read about God's Spirit in the Bible, what are we talking about? And I want to take a little bit of a detour, because I think it will help us understand this Acts passage a little bit better. But when we read about God's Spirit in Scripture, what that is signifying is God's personal presence. God's personal presence. And when we read it in the Old Testament especially, there is this word this word ruach. And if you want to say it appropriately, if you want to pass your Hebrew class, you've got to kind of clear your throat or choke on a cracker at the end because it's ruach. But it's this word, and this word can take on a lot of different forms and a lot of different meanings, but the thing it all has in common is the idea of energy. Energy. Have you ever walked outside and you see the leaves are rustling and if you have you know, short sleeves on, you can feel that on your skin, the tingling? We call it wind, right? In Hebrew, that's ruach. Or do this with me real quick. Wherever you're sitting, taking a deep breath. Do you feel that in your lungs? Do you feel that? That energy? We call it breath. In Hebrew, that's ruach. And just as wind and breath are these invisible forces, so God's spirit is this invisible force. Just as wind is powerful. I was driving through Illinois a few weeks ago. And once you get past Chicago, there's not much there. It's mostly just little sloping hills and nothing. But there were miles and miles of these huge windmills that were turning and turning. The wind is creating this power and it's spinning. them. Just as the wind is powerful, God's spirit is powerful. Breath. Just as breath keeps us alive so we believe that God's spirit sustains all of life. And as we look throughout scripture, we see God's spirit at work. Do you remember the story of Joseph whose brothers got jealous of him? This is in the Old Testament. And so they sold him into slavery and he, he, he ended up in Egypt. We read that God's spirit empowered Joseph to interpret dreams which ultimately wound him up uh, second in command in all of Egypt. You flip ahead to the prophets we read that God's Spirit empowered the prophets to be able to see history through God's eyes so they could communicate to God's people. All the way to the New Testament, we see Jesus. When Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water and it says that the heavens opened up and God's Spirit descended down like a dove. Just after that, it says God's Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And throughout Jesus' life, as he's healing, restoring, bringing life out of darkness... We see God's Spirit at work. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Pastor Rob talked about how next week we're starting the series on the Book of Romans from Memorial Day to Labor Day for about 16 weeks. We'll be studying the Book of Romans, and you, if you heard it in the end of video announcements, one of the most famous verses in the Book of Romans, Romans 8:11, talks about and the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. God's Spirit. At work, That all throughout history, we can see evidence and see stories of God's Spirit at work, empowering people to love God and love people. But that brings us back to my original question, that, that if, if God's Spirit, if we're not celebrating that God's Spirit came onto the scene for the first time here in Acts 2, in the same way that we celebrate Christmas and Easter, then, then what are we celebrating in this Acts 2 passage? What are we celebrating on this Pentecost Sunday. If, if we jump back to that, that passage, again, verse 4 said that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, keeping going in verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Remember, they had traveled for this feast, for this festival. They all traveled to Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And this long list of people who are present, Parthians, Medes, people from Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia Judea, Pontus, Asia, Egypt, Cyrene, Rome, Cretians, and Arabs. And it says in verse 11, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? What does this mean? When we think of Pentecost, our minds tend to go to to the beginning. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Have you ever been in a conversation? You're talking with someone and you recognize along the way that they're not tracking with you. They're not listening. Maybe they're attracted, maybe they've fallen asleep, uh, maybe they're on their phone, and and so they're just not really listening to you. Maybe it's the other way, and someone's been talking to you, and you realize that you haven't been paying attention. We recognize that in conversations, there has to be this connection. If you're just talking, and they're not listening and understanding, it's really not a conversation. And so what if the truer miracle, we we tend to celebrate the gift of God's Spirit empowering them to speak, but what if at the same time the the, the miracle of Pentecost is not just that they can speak, but that they can hear and understand? Remember, there is incredible diversity that's here today because everyone has traveled back and says all of these Jews uh, under every nation under heaven have come back together different languages different even cultures different ways of thinking and they're all here together and i think you know we tend to focus on verse 4 but maybe our attention should be drawn to verse 11 we hear them declaring the wonders of god in our own tongues i think that the beauty and the gift of pentecost is not just in the speaking but in in the immeasurable diversity that is represented in this day, that they can hear and understand one another. That they can be one. Because here's what's not happening in this story. The Holy Spirit isn't coming and just wiping away all of their differences and making them one uniform group. No, the gift and the beauty is that in the midst of their differences— in the midst of their differences, that they can hear and understand one another. This is is important. This is big. Because here in Acts 2, we stand on the threshold of the birth of the church. And the church is birthed not just in her ability to speak, but also in her ability to listen and understand. I'm not trying to diminish the speaking in tongues, the speaking But without hearing and understanding, what is the point of speaking? And what does all of this mean? What does all of this mean for you and me? I mean, okay, fine, Tyler. But what difference does it make if it's a miracle of speaking or a miracle of hearing and understanding? What difference does it make? This might not surprise you, but I think it becomes a matter of relationship. Relationship. I think it becomes a matter of relationship because God's Spirit empowers us towards relationship. God's Spirit empowers us towards relationship. I mean, that's what it all boils down to. Right when Jesus asks, What's the greatest commandment? What does he say? Love God and love your neighbor. For Jesus, it all comes down to this it's relational. It's relational. Now, this, this probably won't surprise you either for a pastor to say, but I'm convinced. I'm convinced that we need a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit. We need a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit, but not just to be able to speak, but so that we can listen and understand. Because I think in some ways, we have erred on the side of just Speaking. And rarely have we taken a posture of listening and understanding. And to that end, sometimes I fear that we've weaponized truth and lost in relationship. And what if the gift of God's Holy Spirit is that we can take on this nature and posture of listening and understanding so that we can move into relationship with one another, with those around us. And through that relationship, the the, the transformation that we've experienced in our lives may be made known, not just through the words we speak, but in the ways that we live our life. I talked about weirdness and and the uniqueness of families. I think there's a calling for us as God's people to to embody that. And one of my worries is that the church has lost her uniqueness. And our persuasion of, of whatever, whether it's power or to have our place in society, I worry that sometimes we're just another voice shouting and fighting for our position. As, as Paul talks about, we're just a clanging gong rather than a people who offer this unique, weird way of life in a world that's so focused on I'm being heard, my opinion and my truth and my viewpoint. Maybe the gift of the Holy Spirit we need is to be a people who will listen and understand so that we can be a people of deeper and deeper relationship. And so maybe what this story is inviting us to, what's it's reminding us to, is to, to be these people who are completely, who are, have a different way of life. It's inviting us to be this unique, this weird group of people. I didn't keep reading this, but if I kept going, one more verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 13 says, Some, however, made fun of them, and said, they have had too much wine. To those who were watching who didn't understand, it was so bizarre for them. It was so bizarre to see all of these people who had incredible differences coming together to understand and hear one another, to be one. It was so bizarre that their only conclusion they could draw was, wow, they must just be drunk. I think when God's Spirit comes, sometimes sometimes it can look bizarre to those don't understand, and yet God's Spirit is constantly here trying to breathe new life into us, new life that leads us into relationship. God's Spirit empowers us towards relationship, towards loving God and loving people. I I was having a conversation, I think it was this last week, with a friend of mine who teaches high school. And he was telling me, he's heartbroken, as he told me this story about four of his students, and he was listening to their conversation. It wasn't really eavesdropping, but kind of was eavesdropping. He wasn't a part of the conversation, but he could hear what's going on. And all four of these students, I don't know how the conversation started, but at one point it got to this this spot where they began talking about faith. And all four of them shared stories about how they had grown up in the church. Their families had grown up in church, but at some point along the way, There had been words, incredibly painful words that had been spoken to them by Christians that had caused them to kind of take off their faith hat and hang it up and walk away. Things had been spoken to them, and they couldn't reconcile the things that people were saying to them, the way that these Christians were speaking to them. They couldn't reconcile that with the Jesus that they were reading about in the Bible. And I don't really know why I share that story with you. Maybe just to say, I think God's Spirit has more for us than that. I think God's Holy Spirit desires greater for us. I don't know what was said to them. It's possible that some of the things that were said to them were even true. Yet outside of the context of relationship, of deep understanding and listening, those words just became painful notches and and ultimately what was their de-faith journey. I believe God's Spirit has more for us today. I believe God's Spirit wants to lead us into deeper and deeper relationship with those around us, that our lives can bear witness to that transformation, that others may see what God and God's Spirit is doing in us and want to know more. believe that, and I believe God is willing to do that as we humble ourselves and open ourselves up to the work of God's Spirit.